You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a real bummer of a Locked On Indians. If you were like me, you probably got a text alert on your phone about how the uh, Indians were playing and how bad the Yankees looked. And three runs in the first, they were on the rocks. Uh, Herman looked bad. This is a team that's been struggling as badly as any team in baseball. So what happens? The Indians let him up off the mat and don't do anything else the rest of the game. Uh, we're going to dig deep into this one. It is... And it's a disappointing game on so many levels because it starts off so well. And there's, you know, I, I do those three stars of the game. Now, I admit I've been doing it a little bit intermittently in a game like this. It's really hard to come up with stars. Uh, there's some, you know, we'll talk about the pitching performances. You know, it's like I saw like, oh, Brian Shaw worked his way out of a bases loaded jam. A bases loaded jam that he put himself in with those two walks. Uh, the... A lot of walks in general. Savali four and five, two by Wet Grin, both you know, allowing him to give up two more runs. His ERA is now up over ten, and yes, uh, one of those things is he has always outperformed his data. He is a guy who kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, as it were. <laughs> this year it is dropping and dropping hard. I know I talked about him possibly being a closer candidate. I mean, if it keeps going like this, the Indians are an analytical front office. The Indians are also a front office that had, you know, Scott Atchison and Jeff Manship and a lot of guys who came in and were effective and then they limited the damage and moved on. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned them. There's been so many of them. I'm probably forgetting, you know, the, uh, the uh, Dan Oteros and even more. There's a long tradition of guys like Nick Wetgren Whitgren, I should say, where the stuff is not necessarily indicative of the performance, that they outperform their ability or, you know, their perceived stuff. And he's been a very reliable pitcher. So you're not going to want to knee jerk too much here. Give him opportunity, give him some time. But if it continues to go like this, I, you just can't roll with him i mean it, pulling up his game log right now in particular just talking about what has been happening over the course of this season obviously the game today was ugly but you go back and cincinnati game on the 17th the white Sox game on the 15th those were both okay the 11th against detroit Gave up a run, gave up three and two-thirds of an inning in April 3rd in his debut game. Comes down to he's only pitched five innings. Not a whole lot. He's given up six runs on eight hits in that time. Struck out five and had four walks. It's, again, the smallest of sample sizes. You cannot take too much from that. But it is my, my concern here is, again, that this is a player who, when you look at the advanced numbers, when you look at just performance he should not be as productive as he is and that's even when you look at some of the you know the spin data and the things like that which often in the past was how you would explain like how does this guy overperform how does he get players out with 
uh, lower velocity. Uh, and we now have that data pretty readily available for major league players. And his isn't high there either. So it's, it really is kind of, it's going to be something that bears watching in this, with this team. I mean, with all of the pitchers, Quantrell, another run given up, uh, continuing kind of the rough spring he had into the season. Perez gave up three hits, somehow didn't give up another run. Karen Chalk did his thing. I mean, he's almost someone you consider for one of your three stars in this one just because, hey, he faced one, got the strikeout, and was able to get out of it. Uh, I think one of the stars you have to give to Fran Mo Reyes. Yes, he went one for four, but first career triple. Yes, that's right. He had a triple. Uh, Domingo Herman is a guy with good control, and it showed up. The Indians only had two walks in this one, in this game. Uh, one to Luplo. And one to Rosario when he pinched pitch, pinch hit. Uh, in terms of who reached base twice in this one, Cesar Hernandez, who I've been tough on, is it? That's your list. I mean, offensively, after the first, they just did not put much together, and that's been the continued issue this year. A lot of you know, Jose Ramirez left four on base. Jake Bowers continues to struggle to do anything. I've been very high on Roberto Perez this year, but over four with three strikeouts. You know, uh, Luplo has been, you know, one of the bright spots. 0 for 4 with one walk and three strikeouts. This was just a game that, you know, Jose Ramirez had an extra base hit. Franklin, we already talked about Franco Reyes, had an extra base hit. But I don't even know if I really look through this and see anyone who I'm like, okay, gold star for performance uh, for the Indians. Even Savali, who has been really good this year, it's it's... A rather mediocre performance. I know you can sit back and say it's only two earned runs in five and a third, but you'd like to see a pitcher go at least six. You'd like to see him have less walks. You'd like to see a situation where he is... He got into the troubles and jams, and you know his total pitches thrown at that point in time was already 93 because of the deeper counts. And then... Gosh, you know, it's I've got this whole show to talk about, and... You know, we'll do some preview. We already did a preview of Jordan Montgomery. We'll talk about the other pitchers uh, in this series. But the Josh Naylor error. And I guess what drives me batty about this is I was thinking about this uh, as I watched the play. When you, If you go back and you read the original Moneyball, which is, I don't know, I think maybe because of the draft content in it, I still find a fascinating and fun read. I do own it. Uh, but one of the the central points, and something that the A's have abandoned, by the way, is that defense doesn't matter. That they are, you know, running out Jeremy Giambi in the outfield because defense does not matter. The ability to hit is much more important than the defensive value anyone will bring. Uh, you want guys who get on base, and you want guys in the bat matters more in the defense. We have seen that switch. That is the only mentality, and even with the Indians, we've seen them go defensive heavy in a few years there. But Josh Naylor playing out of position in the outfield. I know he's putting the time and effort. That's another brutal error so far, second one in the early goings of the season. Uh, Just put him at first, right? Like, I know the thought process is probably more than likely they don't want to put him at first because... They're setting Nolan Jones up to take over at first. It's going to make more sense for them. Uh, Naylor is more familiar with the outfield than Jones is. But I, 
you know who's more familiar with either of those outfield spots? Franmo Reyes. Like, I have a heart. I know Franmo's a butcher out there, but honestly, they might be better off defensively and just better off with a team long term with Naylor at first base. If you have Franmil or Jones, one of them in the outfield, and the other DH, that's that's what you're looking for. That's what's gonna go here. Naylor was a bad defensive first baseman. Like that, his profile was not like. This wasn't Evan White, who the Seattle Mariners drafted, where it, people talked about, you know, he's going to win a gold glove if he sticks it first. And there were people who thought Evan White could play center field, uh, if definitely a corner outfield spot. That wasn't Naylor. Naylor was always a first base only prospect, and he worked to get better, but he's still not good defensively there. And it came back and showed up in this one. Uh, you know, your old friends alert, uh, Frazier got lifted out of uh, this game with after another rough performance for him. Uh, yeah, it's just, again, it's reading all the articles, sitting there after the Indians' big third and just seeing Yankees fans roll over. Like, they're already calling this one a loss. Everything is going so poorly for them. There's so many uh, issues with them as a team. You know, Glybar Torres is just this unmitigated disaster who's not a shortstop, but they're playing him at shortstop because they don't have any other options and he can't hit right now and he can't field and he goes three for five in this one. Uh, you know, my my thought process when I was putting together this podcast after the first inning was, you know, the Yankees, uh, you know, it's the they'll fix what ails you. Instead, turns out the Indians are what will fix what ails you. Going to take a quick break from my ranting and sadness to remind everyone the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live, get insight analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch the live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft, April 29th through May 1st. Side note, uh, just to give them credit, the Draft Network has maybe my favorite uh, mock draft one. Now, you can't make trades in there so i like the pro football network to kind of just play as the browns and see how many tradebacks and things can occur i like the nfl draft network for information and if i'm just going to sit there and do like a seven round mock and if you're like are you really doing those things yes i am there's something soothing about going through and doing that for me that's almost like my version of uh, therapy is to sit down and do a seven round thing on the draft network so just want to take a second give them their praise part of me giving away my thing is uh if i knew how to do it maybe hey maybe there's a listener out here who would uh know how to do this and want to help me figure it out we have these mock draft machines for the nfl no one literally no one is doing it for baseball right now if if there was a way to get that up and running somewhere you would get ad revenue at a decent rate i feel like because there's enough people a i mean the baseball draft there's a lot of interest it's not as big as football don't get me wrong But at the same time, you know, I'm sitting here talking about the various machines and places you can go. There's also the PFF one and, you know, Fanspeak is where it all kind of started. There's nobody doing it for baseball. So I would love to figure out how to be the first person to put that together. And I understand trying to get even something like the slotting system in there would be a complete total and utter disaster. uh, Because you then have to figure out a way to, like, not just do team player, but also, like, projected signing bonuses. So I'm not even thinking that. Like, just basic idea of player slot go 
So uh, yeah, if you know how to do that, I'd be very curious to find out how. There's not much else to fixate on in this game. Uh, it's it was it was a cruddy one. Let's move on. It's just, uh, you know, everything uh, started out so well, and then it just went down the tubes. Uh, speaking of the draft stuff, I just wanted to throw this out there. If you are someone who uh, is interested in it, I threw some information up recently on Twitter. I kind of did my top 10. I did like a mini mock of just 10 names. I've got my big board, you know, listed right now, about 1 to 30. Uh, just need to fill in the data. I will say a name I'm just going to throw out. The Indians have been kind of up and down the past few years and what they've liked. They went for high ceiling, high variance guys for a while there. And then last year was kind of a safer class at the top. So I don't know if they're going to go back. If they do go back, I just want to throw this name out there, kind of try to call my shot. Chase Petty, New Jersey, cold weather arm, undersized. Some people don't love the mechanics. The Indians never seem to get worried about mechanics. And he's got maybe the quickest arm in the class and in the prep class. It doesn't mean the biggest velocity. That just means that guy who can really just whip it. And if you think about it, that's Lenny Torres. That's Josh Wolf. That's Daniel Espino. That is their type. So when I brought that up, there are a lot of people who said he won't be where be there when the Indians pick. I don't know. Talking to people I've talked with already, it's teams are looking at college early and often more and more anymore because you can always take upside bets later on, but you can't find relatively safe ceiling, uh, safe floor, I should say, college players. And it just keeps pushing them up the board, especially in a class like this where one could argue all of the, uh, not all of, but a large majority of the projected, you know, top 15 college bats have been uh, pretty disappointing. For instance, like in my mock, uh, way too early mock, and then my January, or, I mean the January mock, uh, Jude Fabian from Florida was a guy I was talking about as a top five talent. He's not in my top 30. I'll give that away. Uh, it's been a disaster. If your K rate's that high, I just, I can't trust you. It's, it's pushing 40%, I want to say, in the SEC and over 30% over the course of this year. I mean, I don't know what's happening there, but that's just, whew, that is not good. Getting back to more Indians-related things, though, let's talk about the, you know, preview the rest of this series. We already talked about Jordan Montgomery and, you know, kind of what we expect that tomorrow's game is a better matchup because this is a team that is now set up better to face lefties than righties. Almost if for no other reason than, you know, uh, that is what Luplo hits best. Uh, he's getting this opportunity to face righties this year, but we know that he kills lefties. And then you add in someone like Fran Mill Reyes, who's been maybe your most consistent hitter over the course of the year, he's right-handed. So those two players alone set you up in a situation where that is a very much a preferable matchup. We'll see what Logan Allen can do, because if you're the Yankees facing lefty, it's also preferable because they have so many right-handed bats. So can he rebound, or could this be a game where the Yankees were averaging, I think, three and a half runs per game going into yesterday's game? They got six. Uh, today's game against Logan Allen, they could put up a lot. Uh, depending on how sharp he is, this is not an ideal matchup. Garrett Cole has been great. Do I really have to profile Garrett Cole in that Saturday game? I still would give advantage to Shane Bieber because he's doing historical things. 
through the course of his career. But still, let's let's go do the fun splits game with Garrett Cole for his career. Now, the one thing you have to also say with Garrett Cole in his career is it's been uh, all over the place to a degree. Here's a guy who came up and looked amazing with Pittsburgh, had only 19 starts, a war over 2.4, a FIP under 3, and those first few years in Pittsburgh were great. He had one 200-inning uh, year, and then after that, the next two years before he got traded away, there was some slippage in overall performance. He was not quite as dominant. He was never, somewhat, for whatever reason, in those days in Pittsburgh, he wasn't missing bats. And that was probably the biggest knock. He, good good rates everywhere else, but just was not missing enough bats. So he was a more like a good two than an ace. And then he goes to Houston, and he's only there for two years. It might surprise some to realize it was just two years. But really transformed there. And all of a sudden, the K rate, which had been a high of nine before, had two years in the sevens, two years in the eights, jumps to 12 and 13. Last year with the Yankees, it was at uh, 11. This year, it's sitting at 14 in the early goings. And he's done that while keeping his walk rate low. I mean, honestly, his walk rate also dropped uh, compared to most of the years in Pittsburgh. The home run rate did go up, which is, again, a trend we're seeing that uh, we talked about with the Indians' great pitchers, how many of them also saw their... It doesn't seem to concern teams quite as much. It's more about making sure that those are one-run shots. But let's... We'll go into the splits, specifically the best way to set up a lineup when you're facing Garrett Cole in a moment. But let's take another quick sponsor break. And that sponsor is my favorite. It's Bilt Bar. Quick heads up, uh, the winner of the flavor tournament, the Coconut Brownie, is back. And I love it. You heard me discuss it when they were having their Sweetest 16 tournament. It is probably the favorite one I've had in the early goings. It's either that or churro. I really do like those puff ones. I can't say exactly what it is, but that is a favorite of mine. I have a bunch of the cookie dough, and a lot of people love that, but I would gladly trade all of my cookie dough for more of the coconut brownie. Go check that out for yourself. And remember that when you do go to Built Bar, use that promo code LOCKEDON15. That's going to give you 15% off. That is equal to what I get as a repeat customer over there. And I'm a repeat customer because it is a product I love. When you go there, again, that promo code is LOCKEDON15 to get that bonus uh, reduction on your order. And then you can stack that up with the deals that are happening all the time over on BuiltBar.com. Check it out. It's been a year. I still love the product. They're improving their product all the time. There's always fun new flavors. There's always new things to check out. And the best thing I can say is I spend my own money there. Yes, they started me with the free sample. I got the first taste free. Since then, I have been going back to buy because it is a great tasting bar that is great for you. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. Well, I got you. Let's talk about the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey. It's happening now, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lecomfort, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts for every team, making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the ultimate mock draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your home for all sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. That's A U D A C Y. Also, the videos for that are up on WKYC along with my weekly baseball video, but they have all the teams jumping up to talk about their picks in that. It's pretty cool, so go check that out. So let's talk about the Garrett Cole splits. I didn't do his career splits, but I do enjoy the fact that he has zero walks against left-handers this year. Again, very small. 
sample size. But now that I switch back over, and this is, you know, just you look at it, his strikeouts versus lefties, 11. Versus righties, 9.48. Walks, 2.7 versus lefties to 199 versus right-handers. Uh, FIP, 312 versus left-handers, 301 versus righties. Basically, it doesn't matter. Uh, he's just as effective against either one. You just want to put your best hitters out there and hope for the best. Across the board, you go through it all. It shouldn't be a surprise that he is really, really good. Though, here's an interesting one. Uh, when he is in a 3-0 count, he is awful. And when he's in a 3-1 count, not good either. Now, that shouldn't be a surprise, right? Like, I, the hitters know what's coming, but his FIP is an 18-3-3 and a 9-3-8 for those two things. Most other places across the board, 2-0, 7.25. I don't know how this compares, but I feel like having looked at a lot of pitchers and talked about this recently, it's not quite that dramatic or it would have stood out to me. Uh, he's just one of those guys, get ahead in the count. That is basically your only hope. And because he is in and around the zone so much, it is hard to get ahead of the count, ahead in the count with him because he's not someone who is going to fall behind. So you also have to kind of attack his pitches early knowing they're going to be in the zone. It's a darned if you do, darned if you don't. You know, the trick is to get him to throw the ball out of the zone, which he almost never does. And yeah, it's, yeah, the trick is to get ahead in the count against a guy who doesn't walk players. So I, I don't know how you do that. It's, he's just, there's a reason why he got paid as much as he got paid. And it's not just because the Yankees are, were able to sit back and finally get the guy they had drafted out of high school in the first round and were unable to sign. Uh, he's just one of the better pitchers in the game. I mean, that's just the truth of the matter as it is it currently. In terms of the Sunday game, we still don't know who is the starter in that one. Uh, it has still not been formally announced, so there's no way to really preview that game uh, and how the Indians will match up against... You know, we could... Should we just... I don't know if we want to assume... We know it's not going to be Kluber. So when you're just looking at the Yankees, one would assume there's a decent chance it's James Tyon, unless he is uh, a little bit beat up or there is some concern he may not be able to pitch. Though... He matches up to be in that game, so we'll we're gonna do the preview for him just in case it does end up being Tyon, another Pirates pitcher. I really liked him. He was, you know, that's the was that the Harper draft and him and Machado, like two three, right? I want to say that was the year, and the Indians end up with Pomeranz, who I. I liked at the time. I don't know if it'd be the same. It's one of those I should go back and consider, you know, how I look at data and again how I've processed and changed views over time to see if he is still the guy I would have been sold on with that high pick. For what's going on here? For the career for Tyon. Let's just look at the advanced data for him. Lower strikeout rate versus lefties, but uh, almost two runs lower. The walk rate is almost, not two runs, almost two strikeouts per nine lower. Walk rate is almost two walks per nine higher. So significant change in his K to walk ratio. Home run rate is consistent. Average is about 30 points higher. Bat pip is much higher against lefties. Uh, you know, I 
pretty much higher higher than the average you know he's well into the 300s so the it's almost a run difference a whole run difference in FIPS so that's pretty significant again that would mean that you'd want to because the data does show that he is weaker against lefties this isn't one of those cases where you look at Garrett Cole and it's it doesn't matter like lefties righties he eats them both alive James Tyon his FIP against righties is almost that of Garrett Cole. He is in that same neighborhood. Uh, some of the other data isn't as high, but the walk rate is so low, it helps balance, and he's got a lower overall home run rate. So against righties, he's really strong. And against lefties, he's okay. So load up on lefties in your lineup, stack them early. This is where you miss the good old days of when you had a real platoon partner for Luplo, I know people are going to be like, well, they're going to sit back and say he deserves his chance against righties. And I, I get it to a degree, but at the same time, uh, it hasn't been overly successful before now. I know two home runs this year against right-handers. We will have to wait and see. But there are a reason why when you see dramatic splits like this, and there's reasons why people use platoon splits or have platoon pairings, uh, because you can get more production you can really find ways because yes you lose the roster spot but you go back to 2019 when you had that naquin uh luplo platoon or luplo i'm never gonna use the name right i fight with myself because i said it wrong for so long and now i'm like wait which way is the right way which way is the wrong way and i, I watch the games and then i still get confused but the funds of uh, dyslexic mind moving off of that <laughs> The point of the matter is, it's a lot. You lose the roster spot, so that is something you lose. But it's so much cheaper to get two guys who are just part of a platoon, put them together, and get similar production to someone who might cost three to four times as much. And we'll see if this can work. We'll see if he can be closer to league average, because honestly, right now they don't have anyone who can be a league average bat to form a platoon partner with him. So it's fine. Roll it out there for now. I'd still like to see Daniel Johnson eventually in the role, but. Right now, we'll see what he can do. And I mean, it's, I hate to sound defeatist and I hate to seem like I'm rolling over, but it's just been atrocious in the early going. And, you know, even Ramirez isn't hitting. And it, you know, if we're going to do an old friend alert, we should go over and talk about the whole thing is 2020 data was not reliable data. And we know that. And a bigger point in that is even had. Carlos Santana had a great year last year, especially with everything else that's happened in terms of monetary. There was no way they were going to keep him. But if you haven't been paying attention, Carlos Santana is essentially having a 2019 season right now. He is off to a fantastic start. His runs created plus is a 141. He's been one of the best bats in baseball. He's looking every bit of steel for the Royals. We'll see how it continues, how, how it goes on, how it goes on. He didn't even keep it up for all of 2019, but I, you know, it's you go and you look at that, and it's frustrating. Because uh, I mean, I you couldn't pick up his option after what happened in 2020, but uh, to see one of your favorite players performing so well for a division rival is just while well, the Indians are getting zero production out of first base. If they were a bigger market team. You know, you probably keep him because it's not that huge of an option. There's a chance you might roll that out 
Or if you don't roll it out, you're able to bring him back at a slightly smaller contract. Now maybe he still goes because he got a multi-year commitment from Kansas City. But you can see why Kansas City did it now. And again, small sample size, early going. He can easily fall to earth and I'll sound silly in a few months. But right now, I just I wanted to point out, if you're not paying attention, Carlos Santana is having himself a heck of a start to the season. Whereas the Indians are just having themselves a heck of a lot of things. Most of them not good. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked on Indians podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. That helps our show grow. Tell a friend. Uh, we want to keep pushing and fighting, trying to get back in the top 10 MLB podcasts on Locked On. Remember, it's the Tigers in 10th spot. Let's uh, show them that we, that the Indians fans have a bigger base. Let's show them that, that there's more fans for Indians baseball than there are for a scuffling Tigers team stuck in a multi-year rebuild. Thank you all for listening. I have fantastic fans, very kind fans, and I appreciate that, all of you who listen. I'll talk to you next week. Hopefully we're going to be coming back and talking about the Indians winning three out of four in this series. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more one to two max, but we'll see. And remember, for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.